My guest today is the wonderfully unique Tathagat Varma. At a very early age of his career as a computer scientist from DRDO, he represented India on a 16-month icy cold expedition to the Antarctica. Our conversation further dwells into his experience in Antarctica and also his observations, not just from the scientific front, but also from a human behavior front that paved way for who he is and how his career carved out in the latter years. It's a very interesting conversation that further dwells into culture of an organization and an individual's role and a team's role in building culture. With the mantra of life is what you make it. This conversation with Tathagat was an eye-opener for me because I realized that people carry different worlds in themselves, something I took for granted. As always, I hope you like this conversation and do like and subscribe the podcast. Thank you for listening in. So one of the things I wanted to ask you is um, Antarctica, right? Um, for me, as a traveler, Antarctica is uh, like this bucket list. Mm-hmm. It's like this luxury bucket list, yes. right? Like it's like, um, I don't remember who it was, but the sort of vaguely is in my mind for ages now. Um, Antarctica is, if you were to compare Antarctica, it's like uh, in the literature space, it's like Shakespeare's wow. work. Okay. In the music <laughs> space, it's like Mozart. Uh-huh. Um, and in the art space, it's like Michelangelo. But it is much more than just the awe factor. It's yeah. also, in a way, what Earth should have been. Yeah, that's if, right. Yeah. If it is not tamed. And hopefully it's not going to be tamed so much. Guys. Yeah. So... But you've experienced it in a very different way. It was not a travel. It no. was it was staying there for 16 months. You set out. It was an all expenses paid trip, actually. No. <laughs> <laughs> Even <still>. better. <laughs> so yeah. I want you to just close your eyes and tell me what does Antarctica mean to you? Yeah, I mean, um, I, I still sometimes think it's been almost more than 27, 28 years since I went there. But uh, I still cannot get it out of my mind. I mean, it is, it's, a, it's a lifelong, it's, it's etched it's into etched. the memory. Um, and I was, of course, uh, young. And you have to be young and crazy because uh, I cannot imagine at this age I'll be able to, I'll be allowed to go probably by my family. But uh, for me personally, I was lucky. Uh, I, I, I used to work in defense as a scientist and I got posted to the lab in Pune which was a participant in the Antarctic uh, program and um, uh, they, they they had a uh, they had a presence around the year so they would send somebody and I raised my hand and said I want to go there um, and uh, I, I was like literally out of college a couple of years out of college and that was uh, the best thing uh, for me to go and experience the world uh, for me personally it represented um, a very uh, a very different kind of things at multiple levels mm-hmm. one is obviously the whole nature of experimentation and i love being experimental learning about new things um, and i said hey this is like the world's most world's biggest laboratory natural re- laboratory where you can see so many things there and uh, even though i was not a qualified geologist or a microbiologist or a uh, meteorologist to really appreciate all the the physics there that was happening 
but even uh, as a as a scientist i could understand uh, how humans were behaving for example i was the youngest in the team and today when i look at uh, i mean i don't watch those shows but if you look at uh, big boss and those kind of a things that's exactly the kind of emotions that come to my mind that people are all living inside a building we were 25 men uh, there were no women at that time women have later on wintered as well but that time they they only came for summer we have we were 25 men and then there was a uh, russian station nearby and that's it in in probably few thousand square kilometers there was nothing else there so you are in the middle of nowhere anything happens nothing can be done during the winter time nobody can come in and help you you have to be on your own and uh, more than the the physical uh, challenges of living in a minus 30 minus 40 it was really psychologically important for you to be able to handle the stress yeah. um, and uh, the stress of living away from your family the stress of living in a place where there's no uh, way you can come back even if you it's not like okay let me take a u turn and come back that's not an option there and uh, and obviously all of us volunteered to go there nobody was deputed to go there everyone has to, had to raise their hand and say okay i would like to go there because you have to have that uh, thing that i would like to go there and and i think at many levels i was able to uh, i was able to really learn a lot about myself in terms of how well i really relate to the challenges uh, how can i really relate to the uh, to the challenges of really living in a commune kind of a setting where people have i mean the person sitting next to you may have a very different point of view but you still have uh, to do that and then you are in a very community way uh, uh, one for all all for one kind of a thing and then you are helping each other there so Uh, any amount of ego whatever ego one might have for example uh, it just goes away dissolves it, it just vaporizes because you are there cleaning grooming sweeping the floor the common areas you are washing the vessels you are cleaning the toilets you are doing everything there uh, and uh, that's how you that's what everybody else is doing there so you you are really a part of it because you have to stick together there, there's no way uh, things are going to be any different for you so i think at multiple levels it really Uh, gave me a very new dimension of my own personality uh, which uh, which allowed me to really uh, uh, learn a lot about myself mm. how did you change like tatagat before the antarctica to tatagat after what's that big personal transformation you went through yeah that's i, uh, I never thought of it that way but i think if there is one or two things i have to say um Uh, i i would say that like any other young uh, person uh, we are on when you are young and you are in your own orbit right you 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 are just enjoying life in the way and you are not really answerable to anyone uh, and 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 kind of thing but i think i got more empathy towards people i got more uh, sense of shared identity uh, i got more sense of uh, uh, how do you really help e- each other and how do you really uh, uh, like for example i'll give give an example we had a cook from navy mm. uh, now uh, i guess in the armed forces only in the navy there is a role of a cook and most of the time in our families even though i i i came from a family of two brothers and uh, my parents never told me that uh, this is job for boys this is job for girls we had to clean our own room we had to do our own stuff um, i used to do little bit of cooking which i still continue to do so all that thing was there there was no gender segregation that no 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 we mm. were boys were being brought up in an elite manner nothing of that sort there 
but uh, but even then uh, the the kind of respect so so what would happen is that uh, the cook would have an off day on a sunday uh, because obviously the, the there has to be some off day and then we would volunteer in addition to the galley duty to be the cook as well mm. so you had to uh, two people would volunteer and they would have to make the breakfast for 25 people lunch for 25 people dinner for 25 people and you can imagine by the time you are done towards the end of the day you don't even think that you have a backbone it's like it's all broken you're like you've been standing the whole day and doing yeah. all that stuff there the amount of respect you develop for people who help you uh, i would never would have taken it uh, with with that much of humility today i have a much more respect for people who really help you make uh, successful uh, in the game there uh, and uh, a lot of times we think oh you are a senior person you are a successful entrepreneur you are a ceo but it is uh, what we don't see is that th- there is a there is a group of people who have been helping that individual selflessly yeah, yeah. to get uh, get to that point and that was the kind of an experience that i think i'll carry for the rest of my life so one guest and you you talked about big boss uh, i had this guest um in the first uh, seven episodes one of them was uh, a guy called rj prithvi who was in this big boss yes right and so he was talking about how this big boss is and you sort of draw an analogy to the antarctica experience as well and in one of your blogs i think you talk about ice and the definition of ice or the the know, isolation yes, and the yeah the environment and the environment yeah. so he talked about how there are no books there is no tv there is no phone there is no entertainment you're solo you've come mm. with the whole baggage of your own personality and you're living with 12 15 12 people you're doing all the chores like how you're talking about and you're in that place for like a month plus yeah and you know there's a masala added in terms of you know to trigger you in different Correct, ways yeah. um and that sort of foundationally changes the way you look at things yeah. if i draw an analogy tatagat from there to a team you know every individual team member comes from different backgrounds they could be 25 they could be just figuring out what's career like or they could be 30 having a child funds for the child's education or 45 where you've got a child growing up funds for that plus older parents plus your own career you're coming from different yeah. backgrounds plus you have the confinement which is the organization and the environment which is could be your current ecosystem your economic conditions everything i'm thinking you learned a lot about team and what are fundamentals of team and i've seen you blog about something like the t-shaped team yes i strongly yeah, believe yeah. in that throw some insights on what are some foundational things you learned from there as a team uh, that you carried forward yeah. and how has that evolved because things have changed in our ecosystem as Correct, well yeah. so how has that evolved yeah so no i think you are you're right uh, for me i have taken a lot of takeaways and and maybe i have not even been able to actually consciously distill them into saying what it is but it has been subconsciously impacting my thinking processes yeah. uh, so uh, uh, for example as you were talking about the big boss uh, we did have books we had libraries we had uh, uh, but interestingly it was back in 92 uh, 93 actually yeah and we would get only 6 minutes of uh, telephone time every month mm. uh, because the, the satellite was not really having a good footprint and i was uh, a, a young bachelor i didn't have to worry about it and um, in fact my parents got a telephone also a little later so i had just one phone call to make 
there were people who had their families they had people so so they had like their own families their parents uh, their wife's parents they had to be in touch with so many people there within 6 minutes it was not possible for them to stay connected there mm-hmm. they would literally we would actually record the conversation for those 6 minutes and they would listen to them and sometimes i've seen that you are like you go to somebody's cabin you knock at them they open it it's dark and they come out and they are like all uh, teary uh, tearing up and like because they were listening to their kids or they were listening to their wives and they were so that's how people would really behave there uh, so it was a so i think one of the biggest takeaways for me from a team point of view was one the leadership is not a title leadership mm. is an action the leadership is what what you do to care for people and be for them that's important part of it and the second thing is the whole notion of empathy uh, i was like all other 23 24 year old people at that time an idealist and say no people have a job to do they are supposed to do the job We, i get paid for it you get paid for it let's just do it right that's how that's my job but then i realized that life is not that simple uh, we we are all uh, in some sense uh, as you rightly said people have their own confinement and i think we have mental confinement more important than the physical confinement in some sense right because all, we are all victims of our mental models in some sense so as a leader how do you really bring the best out of people how do you inspire them and say hey come on let's do it we can do this kind of a thing and let's just do that uh, we were we were actually the 13th expedition and whether we believe in unlucky 13 or not <laughs> we had our own share of accidents every day literally mm. the night that we were supposed to ship in the station we had a fire in the station it, it just like we we would have the whole station would have blown up actually it was that bad luckily that brought all the station together and 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 it was a good sense like we were more alert there for the rest of the year. we had a helicopter which had crashed there all those kind of things happened there and everything really makes you much stronger in terms of how you respect for uh, people and and then you realize that it's not just about my job versus his job or her job it's about how well do you really connect with each other how can you uh, help each other do you even know about somebody for example we had one individual um, that individual would uh, would was probably very homesick i think uh and then he would he would literally go and and and, and in the middle of the night at 4 o'clock uh he would probably drink or he would just come there or he would start playing the the music uh, drum set actually and that would wake up the whole team for example wow. now one way would be really a lot of uh, anger against an individual that why are you spoiling my uh, early morning sleep i have work to do uh, but then the other level would be to really understand and be with that individual because we were all in the same boat we were sailing the same storm actually everybody was going through the same uh, kind of a thing but people had their own challenges in the back of the mind somebody's family is having trouble somebody has the, i mean we even went to the point of actually telling the people before going that uh, uh even if there is a bad news don't tell it to us because there's nothing we can do about it except feeling depressed there for rest of the stay there mm. because the ship will come only then we can come come back to india mm. so uh but then uh, we were the only people who could help each other there's no one else who can help you there so i think uh, there is only so much an appointed leader can do but there is a lot that uh, as a team we can do to each other to really help them cheer up inspire them and and make sure that it is not taken as a punishment but it is really taken as an enjoyment that we are all sailing together so if i were to sort of bring this together and take the conversation into a deeper level what you're saying is as a team you all come with your own 
you know value systems your own experiences and your own baggages and one is be cognizant about each one coming in from different backgrounds be empathetic and kind towards each other step in to help in different don't be cornered or put boundaries around this is just my job but step in on the bigger larger mission or the cause that is there and step in as leaders in inspiring and holding each other accountable responsible towards that Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And as as I as I as I now get older, in mm. some sense, uh, 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 one of the things that uh, like my wife and I we keep talking about uh, and reminding each other is that many a times when you're feeling down uh, and you think, oh no, I'm the like the world is against me and everything, everybody is conspiring against me. The only thing you should remind yourself is that you've not been speaking to a lot of people because when you speak to a lot of people, you realize that. there are people who have more unfortunate things going on in their lives there and that's a kind of a thing i learned there but it has now come back a full circle and i'm able to relate to it better yeah. that as a leader in a team everybody is fighting their own battles everybody is fighting their own phantoms uh, some are visible some are invisible we don't even know what kind of phantoms they are fighting in their minds and uh, uh, as as a leader it is very unfair if if all, all we say is that no you have you have a job to do you should get it done if you are not like covid i think has been a great leveler in that sense because i think it has it has affected so many people in so many ways that the only thing if you have personally not been impacted by it the only thing that should come to the mind is well what can you do for others who have been impacted by that mm-hmm. and for your team i mean i have last one and a half years it's almost like whether it is my man- manager talking to me or i talking to my manager or or anyone it's almost like hey how is it going how are things with there and, and it's perfectly okay for us to really ha- and it's it's not like a fake conversation it's a genuine conversation to take interest in people affair and 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 really be there for them and do whatever you can do mm. and i think that's a good foundation for really enjoying that team and the work that you're doing together otherwise it becomes like a job or a chore Correct. right yeah, yeah. um yeah otherwise it just becomes a very administrative thing that you are just checklisting the whole thing yeah. and saying check 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 yeah. and it's done there whereas it's not about it i think so i think to me if i have to kind of summarize that the whole value of people uh the whole value of relationships the whole value of um, uh, connecting with people came very strongly in a place like antarctica uh, because out there you are in front of like you are so tiny in front of the mother nature you, like you see this whole continent like thousands of miles of ice sheet there and the man cannot even dig more than like 4 5 feet there because of the permafrost and other things there so what are we talking about and then 90% of the world's pure water Is there. is there actually and if we don't protect that that is the la- last place on earth where we probably don't have any pollution or anything yeah. so this is the only planet but that is the only continent where we have anything pure and pristine left there yeah. so we better take care of that yeah. don't tame it don't tame it leave <laughs> it as it is yeah, yeah learn from it respect yeah. it and and take care of that yeah so i want to go a little more into the team part uh, satagat and i want to get into the individual because most of my audience is the mid career or the career guys is individual contributors or in a team right and what is it what are some things that are really important as one of the team members um especially in the current covid scenario and the future that you're looking at what are some things that i need to have built 
within me, whether it is the art of learning or my style of how I work with a team, um, going beyond my siloed job. What are some things according to you that are very crucial that one individual picks up and runs with to be really future ready? Yeah, so I think at an individual level for me, I'm a big fan of learning. Um, and uh, I, I think that there cannot be any excuse for anyone in today's world not to learn. Uh, gone are the days when we would compartmental our life and say, okay, now that you are 15, 16, 17, you go for four years of college. And after that, you, you are basically just trying to milk that four years of education over 40 years of career. That time is gone. There is this whole very interesting concept of half-life of knowledge, which uh, which says that like radioactivity, your knowledge also decays into half every four or five years, let us say. So if I see that my knowledge, what I learned in my master's is probably reduced to 1% or something because if I keep uh, doing it. So unless I really learn something, there is no way I can do it. And I think it's even more important for the leaders because as a leader, uh, what value do you provide when, when if you have not been uh, training or learning yourself, uh, the latest technologies are uh, the kids out of college are much smarter than you. You have to respect them. You have to give them the place because you like I tell my team, I'll be the last person or most underqualified uh, person to actually offer a technical opinion, especially if I have not been doing that, whereas somebody out of college might actually be much better than that. So I think as leaders, we have to have the humility to accept that uh, the best uh, people to do a job uh, does not have to come with the title or the position. They will be uh, they will be how current they are with that. At a team member level, uh, there is one thing I would say, and which I think, in my view, is even more important in to today's time. Um, so uh, back in late 90s, when I was a project manager, uh, I had one team member, and uh, and uh, um, I'll, I'll not name him, uh, not because not because he was not great. He was awesome, but I don't want to kind of embarrass him without asking him if he if he ever says he wants to be uh, recognized and I will do that but by by four o'clock or so he would finish his job mm. so it's like nothing much to do there I had a large team 20 engineers in my team and by four o'clock he is done or so around that time and then after that he would uh, basically just go to everybody in the team and if he sees somebody and says Hey, what's up, man? Why are, why are you looking so low? Oh, oh, you are stuck there. Come, come, let me help you. Wow. That guy would, without me telling, and without him ever telling me, he would just go every day to everybody, sync up with people, talk to them, offer the help, uh, even stay in the evenings if that's what has to be done. Uh, and I used to work for this great company where after, if you have to come on a weekend or, or, or work late nights, you, you literally had to take your general manager's per, uh, permission for that. And this was like, like in 90s. So we were not uh, really expecting people to stay on that late, but then he would actually make it a point to be there for any of the team members who needed that. And that was just his nature. I never asked it. I, when I came to know, I only said, that's a great job and really try to, to make a big deal out of it and say, hey, this is a great behavior. But I can understand that not everybody might be so natural. Some people are simply natural. But I think that behavior, if I have to call out as one thing in today's times, when everybody is hurting in one way or the other, I think that behavior can do wonders to anyone and, and lift up the morale of the team like nothing else. Because when people are, like when I look at my current team, for example, I was the first uh, employee of my team. Uh, now I've been able to build a team of almost 20 of us. Uh, a lot of times I get a lot of accolades for the team that they have done a wonderful job. 
and i tell them the same thing the only thing i have been able to do is really put my filter in terms of hiring them mm. but the fact that the team has been able to come together is really hats off to them because they have decided to trust each other that's something i cannot insist or enforce i can only i it's 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 like you get a you get a good uh, uh, plant you i mean if you don't get a good plant you either have a bad seed or a bad soil i can take care of those two things the bad seed and the bad soil but the whole thing about them coming together uh, learning to trust with each other is something that is not in my direct control so i'm really extremely extremely appreciative of uh, their trust among each other and they have decided to work with each other there and it has nothing to do with me mm. it is just simply their nature there mm. so i think those to me are really the qualities i would seek in a in a team and a team members how much they care for each other how much they are really willing to uh, even without being told even without being asked even without being expected even without being paid to do any of that stuff there how much of that is a very genuine nature for people there that i think is is something that we are not taught simply uh, but i think in today's times uh, it is like no man is an island right uh, uh, no man or a woman for that matter can can really succeed on their own uh, so people have to uh, join hands and people have to come together so that's what i would really put a lot of premium on so earlier they used to have this whole team would be like a bunch of gladiators coming together but what you are also saying is we hand pick the team members yes. but once you've come together it's like a cricket team <laughs> yeah no i think yeah, a, a team, team right? that cares for each other is yeah. something that's a very 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 i think it's 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 bigger than uh, the paycheck it's bigger than anything else mm -hmm. that uh, uh, when when you have the trust that others have my back i think that feeling and today now we have we have frameworks to describe that we are talking about things like psychological safety i mean uh, the book by amy edmondson is a great book that talks about how uh, the whole concept of psychological safety is so important there so we are now able to deconstruct that and we are able to say okay what does it really mean mm -hmm. but i think Uh, it's 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 a social behavior of human beings to connect with each other to come together and maybe that's what our uh, cave dwelling ancestors did there uh, because of all the dangers there but we are rediscovering that mm -hmm. and and i'm always reminded of people the more high tech it's i, I think it was john nisbet's book their mega trends we talked about it we said he said the more things get high tech the more we need to be high touch Mm. and i think this is this is the truth that's coming out because we are talking about tech all the time we are talking about voice assistants even we are talking about ai and virtual reality and all but the more we advance towards technology the more we seem to be coming back to the basic human basic. relationship yeah it all comes down to the behavior the yeah, the connections yeah. right Correct. and in all this you've you've touched on the role of a leader which is to facilitate to get the right team to do so the right seeds um earlier it was very authoritative in nature and it was all about power uh, i think that is again changing a lot drastically into more a servant leadership a facilitator right um also how you manage upwards and sort of give the air cover for the team Correct. that is required yeah, yeah. talk to me a little bit about your thoughts on how is that going to change as we get into the future Yeah I think uh, the whole idea of servant leadership uh, uh, even though uh, Robert Greenleaf wrote about it back in 60s I think his book yeah. came out but I think it's only in the last 10 15 years that we are really beginning to talk about that uh, and uh, uh, coming from a country like India where we have 
seen very strong traditional hierarchy uh, whether it is in professional life or in the personal social life it's a very difficult thing for most of us to understand what does it really mean because we were used to uh, basically being served when you were a leader there and today as a leader your role is to really serve others and see what can i do for you there uh, luckily for us at least in the it industry we have been seeing the signs of change for last some time um, i mean i've been really really lucky to be working in companies in last 10 15 years where uh, it doesn't matter what you are you are a vp or a ceo or ceo or a founder uh, rockstar you get your own coffee you get your own stuff there uh, for example the team is working late you don't really expect the team to serve you you ask them guys okay what can we do for you can i get pizza for you can i do something uh, if if somebody is uh, late in your team uh, you don't really uh, you say okay you're not feeling well but uh, can i drop you home or so- something like that so you are basically putting yourself to the service of the team and really helping them and your role is there to unblock the things for them uh, which are probably outside their uh, their powers uh, for example so you are using your title or position or power or experience or network to essentially unblock the things for them uh, i i think the best leaders are really the servant leaders uh, they are the leaders who are talking about um, how can i they, their role is really enabling you for success rather than directing you and saying this is one fixed outcome that i am looking for so i'm 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 a big believer and a big fan of uh, the servant leadership yeah i think i think it's same yeah i think having grown in this whole product management program management background it is a non authoritative yes. it's always on what's in it for you um and the influencing ability of Correct. how you bring people on board on a common purpose but it is hard to practice as well isn't it that no it is it's not an easy thing for a lot of people and i would uh, i'll be very honest i've seen a lot of uh, leaders struggle with the whole idea of letting go um, and i'm sure at some level i've gone through that myself as a first time leader maybe about 20 years back but over a period of time you learn it is not something see there there is probably centuries of cultural and social uh, uh, conditioning that you cannot undo just by few years of uh, exposure right and it's probably embedded in our uh, psyche or our genes or our uh, if there is something known as a social genes for example it is embedded in our character uh, and and then you have to undo the whole thing and say no this is not how we work there uh, i think it's an important uh, transition there we should not underestimate uh, the effort uh, people will will take into that a uh, little bit of mentoring coaching will be helpful there uh but but yeah i think uh, uh people people have to people have to get the right role models uh in order to really understand what does servant leadership mean for them how did you go about is it more a combination of books mentors talking to people plus hands on how did you go about i think it's a combination of all of them mm. uh, seeing how uh, some of the role models really uh, like took care of their team of, of their teams for example uh, it was also a reverse role modeling actually i've been lucky to have uh, a, a lot of managers uh, who gave me uh, the template how they sh- how i should not become a leader for example mm. uh, and i think you you do learn a lot from those examples of course you can get upset about it and say i have a very toxic workplace or i don't have a great leader or the other way you can do that is and say okay that's a kind of a role model i never want to become myself for others mm. so you you really uh, take it as a personal challenge and do that there um, 
so uh, so it's been a combination of reading learning uh, watching uh, observing other people uh, i i do a lot of reading so so in in my reading i do cover a lot of wide uh, i'm very eclectic reader so read biographies or business or history uh, and then that you see over a period of time that uh, uh, the best uh, patterns of leadership are really all about caring for others and being there for your team members uh, and not really it's not about me all the time it's a, i mean when you read the history you realize that the people it if it was always me 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 all the time then maybe they are not really best remembered or they were not really uh, seen as the people who really uh, made a lot of difference Uh, but the people who were all about v v v and they were really taking care of it and uh, i mean when you talk to the people you realize within a matter of minutes whether that person is talking about i i i all the time it's like all about me mm-hmm. or it's all about v so so that person is really putting the team in front of them and then saying okay this is how we do it and this is how we have been successful uh, and then you see okay maybe they are talking about something here which i have not really deeply understood here so and then you start changing over a period of time you start seeing that there is a power in what they are saying uh, and then you do some experiments and see whether it works for you or not one of the things i am also deciphering from this is you in some ways touched on a culture of an organization or a team now if you go back to the current state of uh, most organizations we're all going through transformations and one of the most challenging part of transformation is the culture uh, it sort of becomes the most difficult one for change for driving an organization by change and in one of your blogs i think you talked about how the best way to go through a transformation is to really do cross functional teams coming together as against a siloed set of agile lean teams you bring there is that agile there is the leanness but you bring cross functional teams to come together to have an exponential impact especially for companies which are not born in the cloud it becomes a even even more difficult because you're structured very differently what's been your experience over here in in terms of really breaking the culture core to the demands that is there today Yeah I think uh, uh, when we when we look at uh, to me culture is essentially all about a sum total of uh, the mental models that are shared by a majority of the people uh, in how the things get done over here so um, and people bring when when we are a part of an organization or a team we all bring our own personal uh, mental models yeah. uh, some might be uh, very personal there but some might require us to collaborate with each other and in the context of the organization if a lot of people believe that these are the right mental models or these are the right problem solving tools that kind of starts gravitating towards the culture of the organization now the way the culture really helps us to align everybody it can also obviously stop people from changing there and uh, uh, from for me personally uh, uh, the 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 biggest challenge there is actually uh, if it is really coming top down without really involving them and they are being asked to simply follow there that becomes a bigger challenge because a culture is not something that you buy a culture is not something that you transplant uh, a culture is not something that you bring overnight a culture is something that you organically evolve over a period of time uh, because when you have two team members uh, in a, in a, in an organization and then it becomes four or it becomes six it is gradually coming together of different ideas 
to to that extent even a, a healthy intellectual friction is important uh, part of culture uh, culturization or culture formation because people uh, the more you debate in open the more you discuss it the more you um, like like in the in the in the case in, in in this whole area of philosophy of science we call it as falsifiability and you are you are subjecting it to uh, scrutiny the same way the cultural norms and values have to be able to withstand the scrutiny i'm not saying that they have to always come out tops yeah. it's perfectly okay for something to not come out tops and say we discard it but to to be able to refuse it for scrutiny is a sign of a bad culture should so open to it should be open to yeah dissection yeah. it should be open to debate a healthy debate there and it should even be open and be prepared and a leader should be prepared even for an unhealthy criticism because life is a mixed bag right like the forest come thing it's like it's a, it's a bag of chalk box of chocolate you don't know what you will get so you will get some good ideas you will get some bad ideas but it, the strength of a culture if it is only going to be a very exclusive elite just kind of a thing that no this is out of bounds we are not going to talk about it then you already are showing the chinks in the armor mm. a great culture would be hey let's okay let's bring it on it's a, it's a it's a dissent it's a voice of dissent let's bring it on it's a dis- disagreement let's talk about it it's a it's a rejection of uh, of an opinion okay let's understand what is it that you would like to do so that is how the whole culture really gets formed to begin with now i am a new leader my my i have been chartered to change the culture of the organization what do i do i start bringing some visible like culture we know the cultural iceberg right so you start those 10% things and you start talking about changing xyz policies xyz things the visible uh, symbols of that and then people are like hey we have never talked about it the reason why we believe in a value a is because over a period of last 5 years or 7 years we have been deliberating about it we have been debating uh, uh, vigorously about it uh, a lot of yeah we have invested right there's a yeah. lot of blood sweat and tear that has gone into that now without that whole paraphernalia you just come and take that and change it maybe it is good for us i'm not di- i'm not disagreeing that it's it's bad for us but why are you deciding it for me why are you taking the decision on my behalf why don't you really facilitate the same process that we went through as a part of creation of the culture of this organization so that we once again are part of the same uh, mess let let me call it mess right so that we are part of that flux and uncertainty and 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 lot of brownian motion and then let it emerge out of it mm-hmm. give us trust us right we will also do the right thing as much as you are invested in the success of the organization as a leader i am also equally invested in the success of the organization as a team member right it doesn't make me any lesser participant in the whole thing but treat me for what i bring to the to the table there i think that is where i see a lot like if if you read the literature of change management philip cotter has john cotter has been writing about it for last 40, 30 40 years i think the transformation effort 60 70 80% of the times fail yeah. you call it as a cultural transformation uh, organizational transformation agile transformation digital transformation even in ai we seem to be seeing uh, challenges there abound right so the problem is that uh, it it seems to be that it's like a commandment being passed down to the team and say hey this is good for you now you underlings go and do that mm-hmm. i don't think that narrative works today that's at least my perspective very very true and i i completely corroborate with this thinking process as well one of the things i realized is also one size doesn't fit all like what works in the us or what works in europe doesn't necessarily 
work for us. We might be able to take some best practices and good parts of it, but we have to discover it ourselves. So in our conversation earlier, we were also talking about how do you then thereby understand the India story or the ecosystem, what's happening in the world and then what's happening in India and thereby identify how to go about transformation. Um, you write about it and talk about it in most of your conversations. You want to throw some light on you know, what's happening there and, um, and how does one internalize it? Yeah, I think that's a that's a very relevant issue in my view. But even there, I'll take one more one step back. Actually, I think the bigger question even is what is that Indian culture also? Because a lot of times we are not really. Um, and I read this very interesting analogy. Uh, so I guess like this was this whole uh, uh, thing about US in 60s, 70s. They used to use the term of melting pot of various cultures. Mm -hmm. And then the whole idea came that hey, this melting pot is a wrong analogy. Uh, the right thing is actually a salad ball uh, because uh, a melting pot in some sense has the whole semblance that everybody loses their individual identity and then they acquire one morphed single homogeneous morphed identity whereas a salad ball is really we are all together but we are distinctly there right that kind of a thing there so when i look at india also i don't think we can really characterize it as one india in many ways right um, i mean as a as a as a north indian who grew up in west uh, of india in rajasthan and then living in south now for last more than 25 years uh, and and i remember growing up in the north it was almost like i think we indians have been uh, our simple our thinking is very simple right anyone below bombay was a madrasi that's how we characterized india and for the south indians we said anyone above bombay was a punjabi right so we divided the india into two simple uh, identities there and nobody was really willing to nobody had lived in those areas nobody had eaten each other's uh, food nobody had really uh, kind of like i'm a part of it right that kind of a thing or, or this system is a part of me Today, when I look at, so so my parents' generation, if I see, a majority of that generation was born and they probably uh, lived and worked and even died in within 50 miles, 100 miles, 200 miles of where they were born, right? Typically in the same state. My generation started, in, ma in many cases, we were born in one state. We edu got educated in another state. We worked in third state and we are probably living somewhere else or... Mm -hmm like for example lived abroad and Some that kind of a thing right well, yeah. when i look at my kids generation the kids generation is actually like my son is born in bangalore mm. uh, so he in fact uh, cannot even speak hindi to save his life for example mm. right when he starts speaking hindi we say stop mm. that kind of a thing <laughs> the point is he has a more shared sense of identity uh, as a Bangalorean, uh, then probably as a North Indian, he may not. And, and then now that he is not even living in India, he's living somewhere else. After a few years, he might have a totally different perspective about Global it. Sense. So I think we are also changing over a period of time. Uh, we, you, the biggest thing for a change is really to suspend your belief and say that I am in the best position. And when I look at a lot of my uh, friends from old time or others who have got kind of probably within the, the area, uh, not not with any offense or in any disrespect, I see that they have a point of view which is very different than my point of view because I've been able to, uh, I've been willing to subject it to scrutiny and, and dialogue and say, okay, 
why does it have to be this way? Why can't we change it? I don't get to see that with the people I work with on a daily basis. I don't get to see with the people I live in the apartment block on a daily basis. They are all coming from different walks of life, different. So, so that's one way of doing it. And the second thing is also, I think we are, so the first thing is really that shared understanding of what does it really mean to be an Indian? Uh, and the second thing is really at the workplace when we see there, uh, people have all kind of challenges, all kind of expectations, all kind, like, for example, I'm uh, uh, so in, in the workplace, everyone calls me TV, right? Because it's like my first name is Buddha's name. But I realize that I have not found people who can really pronounce my name correctly. You are <laughs> one of them, Sojana, so I'll not pick on you. <laughs> but then, uh, and then, yes, of course, being in South also means that I get that extra H added to the name there. So it gets uh, 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 deformed in many ways, the spelling. And I said, okay, enough. I will just call myself as TV. For the last 30 years, everybody calls me TV. Sometimes my wife and my son also would call me TV. Now, uh, there are youngsters or interns who come and I tell them first thing, please don't call me sir or anything, just call me TV. Now we have gone through a culturization process where uh, Kids younger than my kid are joining the uh, the industry and they call me by first name and I actually invite them to do that, for example. When I look at that in another workplace, I used to be part of uh, defense, for example, in the, in the, there. there's a very different culture there, right? So, so I think we have to really see from the point of view of uh, everyone has their own different mechanism of how they really uh, bring together and um, when I, when I look at the whole element of being an Indian and then being able to relate to the world, for example, I think we have to, we have to remember that all of us carry multiple worlds in ourselves actually, because I am part of one community that has A culture, I am part of another community that has a B culture and whatever I say, I cannot really have one single identity. We have, we have multiple shared identities all the time there. So the cultural agility also is an important part of it that in one community, I am able to adapt to that uh, social norms and I'm able to do that. And if I try to superimpose those into another community, maybe it's going to be frustration because I cannot really do that, that kind of a thing there. Yeah. So you're saying one part of it is be very cognizant of the various diverse mix that we are coming with and then understand the worldview correct yeah. and then zoom into india yeah, and yeah. that is when you start applying uh, yeah because i think we are very quick to dismiss things that don't really uh, that 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 don't pass the our test our filters of reasonability what we call it right uh, the, the earlier uh, yesterday also day before yesterday we were watching this uh, very nice uh, web series emily in paris oh yes uh, and uh, it i think it's a great example of how uh, when 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 people live in another place they actually get to see the culture and the and the and the social values and the norms and the and the practices at workplace when you see it from another pair of eyes it's totally different there right so so antarctica was that experience for me where people they, they, there was literally somebody who was probably not even elementary school pass uh, and there were people who were PhDs and now how do you really bring them together, right? Uh, when I lived in China for a year, uh, it was a great experience for me because I was uh, managing a team of people who had never spoken in English, for example. Mm -hmm. So a lot of those, uh, and, and then the, the, the lot of those uh, mental models that we have about people. For example, if I go with a very predominantly Western lens and say that you have to, you have, to have a healthy disagreement or you have to have a lot of dialogue and people have to talk to each other and one-on-one, -on -one, 
well the asian culture was very different for example nobody would speak up there for example and you have to find a different way to kind of reach out and connect with the people there mm-hmm. so i think if anything the biggest thing in our today's world is that we have to change ourselves before we ever decide to change the world that's yeah. i think the biggest thing to me and i i think one of the blogs i had written and is around you know you need to step out of your home country or your home uh, like if it's bangalore you've just grown only in bangalore step out of it go live somewhere because that really opens your mind to a whole bunch of things about yourself yes as well as your understanding of the world correct and yeah. i think you've been crazy enough to take that <laughs> plunge at 25 um and then you continue to do that Yeah, isn't it yeah yeah no i think that's how we learn that's how we really like my lens of learning is that you learn only when the expectation and the reality have a mismatch yes if your expectation was x and the reality also turned out to be x you didn't learn anything you were in an echo chamber right but if you if you expected x and then the reality was y then there is a learning that something should get in your mind and say oh why did that happen there so when you talk to the people and you start talking about things and say okay i would not do this but then that individual is not you so then you start saying okay what is it that is driving them what is on their mind but then the more you see the differences the more you also start seeing that at some fundamental level we are all human beings we all have our vulnerabilities we all have our insecurities we all it doesn't matter you whether you are uh, you you were somebody who was born with a silver spoon whether you were uh, living in new york city whether you were like living in shanghai or whether you were living in timbuktu everybody is a human being at the end of the day everyone is is going through a lot of fights in their life there how best can you can you really uh, uh, relate to them how can you connect with them how can you develop a sense of uh, empathy and and really be for them in a very respectful manner there i think those to me are things that i am really uh, i am really blessed to have learned over a period of time talking to those people one other thing that i also see is about fitting in or trying to fit in in this process right because you always have this constant urge okay now now i understood this culture now i need to fit in do you attempt to fit in or create your own identity where is the balance yeah so i i am i am a quote unquote a classical rebel in that sense <laughs> uh, i i would always stand out and not stand out because you want to create noise uh, i i don't i mean i'm not really that kind of a guy who has to be a rebel without a cause sort of a thing there uh, i have to stand out because i i uh, for me uh, being able to blindly follow uh, a certain thing uh, as a as a uh, as a religion is uh, is uh, not an acceptable idea uh, i i have to uh be maybe maybe it's it was a part of the bringing my father was a nuclear physicist and uh, uh my grandfather was also an academic uh, uh, he was a sanskrit professor uh, and then um, when we were growing up uh, our dinners were very unusual i don't think el- many people would be able to relate to that uh, so my what my father did was uh, there was a blackboard in the dining room actually uh, and our dining table conversations mm-hmm. uh, at the dinner table between my brother uh, i and our parents was ask any question generally related to space or physics or anything 
and my father would actually try to answer it and explain it to us mm. now that's not how families have dinner but that's how we used to have the dinner right so the whole idea there was that i didn't even know there was a replacement there was any other way of doing things for example but that actually created a spark in the mind that uh, you you should always try to question things i i had my own lab small lab uh, chemistry and other things when i was in 7th uh, 8th grade for example so i've always liked that kind of a thinking that people are questioning things and doing things and experimenting thing and it doesn't matter if it is right or wrong we don't really care about it so that over a period of time became my nature and uh, if you if you if you see what i try to do i mean like antarctica was something is like nobody goes there well nobody goes there that's why i need to go there because i think it's it's an unusual thing and software like i was a computer scientist and i said i'm going to do software for the rest of my life uh, that's a given because my my masters is in software uh, if i am getting an opportunity to do something dramatically different why should i not do that thing i mean how many people actually get to do live the life uh, 16 months in antarctica for example and that has been a, the, my mantra basically because i believe that you 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 create the 40 years of your uh, life and convert it into a life by actually it's it's it, it's it's like take a food item unless you really put the spices and condiments in that the food doesn't become tasty but then an overdose of it can actually spoil the whole thing there right yeah. the best fine dining will be created by actually a controlled way in which you are putting the whole thing at the right time there so to me it is all about really creating and bringing those uh uh exotic experiences of really okay i did something which like i can't even understand or explain why i did that but then it really gave me a very new dimension to thinking for example and this whole idea of doing phd now after being in the workforce for 30 years is that hey i think i need to now grow my thinking system into the next level where i am not just solving the problems but i am even questioning the the very nature of a problem itself and saying why is this question at all there forget about how what the solution should be but why should even being able to think of the right problem is an important part of the learning mm-hmm. which is what i am now uh, learning as a as a research scholar uh, and i think uh, maybe there is a right timing for everything to do that but i personally believe that that is the kind of a rebel that i would like to be mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't matter if i fail uh, or succeed i'm not really uh, much focused about the success part of that i'm more focused about the fact that have you tried to do something different have you tried to do something new uh, w- w- and 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 then in uh, rather than really seeking the the safety and saying that uh, well th- this is it and then you cannot change anything types makes sense i i i, I want to go back to your 7 and 8 years old chemistry lab i used to make bombs at oh, home wow okay <laughs> so i had this <laughs> i i love chemistry even now i love <laughs> chemistry the art of how an alkaline and acid um creates new things is yeah. uh, is beautiful for me so uh, i can correlate yeah. with your <laughs> no i think we have to i think uh, we have uh, like i i always believe that uh, we are missing out the whole essence of what learning is all about yes. uh, we are happy and contented in our education system to tell the, to bring the children to the classroom maybe nowadays digital classroom and tell hey this is how it is uh, a banana grows on the tree now for example i was just thinking the other day take an apple or a banana i mean how many kids can actually say that you know what i had this crazy question what will happen if i freeze the banana in a refrigerator but then how many kids do you know who have actually done it tried it and i would say 
yeah let let's let's let take the kid let them allow them to freeze a banana and then see what happens to that for example and this is the age where people are sh- i mean like whether you like it or not you keep getting in your uh, facebook stream or uh, uh, other social media people are trying experiments like but take boiling water in a minus 40 degrees and see how it freezes yeah. and all that why we cannot why we are not supporting that kind of a learning yeah. just do it i mean just blow it. don't blow your house for example mm-hmm. or something right uh, but then anything short of it should be possible to do so if some kid a kid has a question okay what will happen if i do it well why don't we try that and and see that thing yes Uh, gradually ha- make sure that there is enough parental supervision and make sure it is not illegal and make sure it's not a threat to the life or limb Absolutely. but i think that is probably 1% tiny uh, set of queries the 99% of it should be all about what will happen if i did that right for example how many kids would actually the other day i was just seeing my nephew was taking so he's like 8 9 years old and the moment you give him the phone he starts taking pictures now every kid does that right mm. but then he has this very funny way in which he started taking pictures from the top of the head for example mm. and he would just take like 30 40 pictures before you can stop him mm. so i was like okay why not i mean let him take it it's an angle of a photographer that you never ex- uh, explore for example yeah. maybe something interesting comes out of that thing now yeah. it's a kid right it's a don't don't be value neutral about it don't really attach it value tag to it and say it is good or bad but just let that whole spirit of uh, exploration uh, and 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 just qu- inquiry let it be a very innocuous inquiry and just let it be there and i think as parents as teachers as as managers we should simply support that uh, thing and see what comes out of it and if nothing comes out of it that's perfectly it's okay that's, it's worth a try and it's a what did you learn out of the whole thing there and i'm sure there is something meaningful in everything there's nothing like a failure the only failure is not trying so yeah. that's how i think it is and that's how you drive innovation as well right? right like just a conversation then let's give it a try let's build something and see it might fail it's okay but then yeah. from that process you actually yeah. learn something and i think this is important not only from uh, I, i mean to me this are there is there is a deeper me- uh, uh, meaning hidden in that because we have become a a culture of compliance we have become a country of people who are very happy to comply with things as they are told to them and while we have made a lot of strides in the last 30 40 years in terms of building a fantastic uh, high tech uh, uh, industry and we are serving the world and what not but let's be honest about it how many products really how many 1.0s are coming out of it how many products that are life changing world changing that are coming out of the whole uh, from here right i think we need to have that spirit of innovation we need to have the spirit of experimentation and before that the social um, uh, norms of judging what is right what is wrong have to change there uh, the social norms of judging what is a success and what is a failure have to change there and that can only change when we are growing a next generation without giving them a chance to think about whether it is the right thing to do or not because if that becomes a part of the whole thing they will never think about saying why should i follow the rules or why should i not do that thing it's okay i mean worst comes to worst you are you are just going to uh, uh, dump something which is worth 20 rupees 500 rupees 1000 rupees but if you are not even willing to do that today how are you going to take tomorrow a leap of faith which might be a million dollar idea because you are so scared of it because you have never really taken that kind of a risk even with a 1000 rupee idea there yeah. so i think that to me is really how you build the whole uh, uh, runway to 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 that uh, future tata with now i have a bunch of these are called rapid qu- uh, fire okay. questions but they're not it's not really i rapid. hope it's not that uh, <laughs> dangerous <laughs> so the best investment you've made on yourself 
I think going to Antarctica. I think so too. And yeah. that was very early on, right? Like it's such a great foundation. Yes, yeah. Um yeah. totally agree. Yeah, I think it has given me like so many things that I keep uh, thinking about and keep discovering about myself wh- how it has impacted me. Um I know that not everyone can get that and I'm very honest about also being lucky at the uh, at the right place at the right time there. But I think all of us do get some opportunity to pursue our dream and to go to a, a place equivalent of Antarctica, which essentially to me is all about following your heart and following your uh, spirit of innovation and exploration. Never say no to that. Always pick up something which is the hard route and really follow that. Yeah. Um, second question: um, How do you see failure? failure is uh, an opportunity for you to go back and uh, think about how you would do it better the next time um some failures but but let me also bring the realistic angle the failure in the short run can be can be depressing mm-hmm. it can obviously put you into a very negative thought process about your self worth and uh, and also about the universe conspiring against you and people are not doing it Uh, I think what's important is to have your uh, family and your friends, uh, the best people whom you look up to, being there for you. Talk to them, uh, being able to uh, being able to see because sometimes you you are in the uh, you are in the middle of that emotional outburst that you don't quite see the rational point of view. Uh, but uh, if you are able to just come out of that for a moment of time, then you are, you will be in a better position to deal with that. Um, so while it sounds very nice to say that come back again and try the next time i also believe that it does take a, a lot of beating for somebody to come out of it stronger uh, it's not an easy thing it's not the most natural thing for people to do that and that's why when everything is going fine invest enough in paying to people invest enough in building your bridges proactively uh invest enough in in depositing goodwill with people so that if and when you have a failure you are able to dip into that once in a while uh, and people connect uh, people uh, people are willing to help you because i mean failure is the best thing that can happen to you if you want to lose your friends and family right people dis- people just abandon you like uh, nobody's business there and at that point in time if you reach out to people i see a lot of times my old colleagues or friends or acquaintances they come to me because something bad has happened to them they lost their job or something happened and at that point in time they reach out and sometimes i feel like how come after 10 years all of a sudden the only time you have really decided to call upon me is when things were going bad now of course i'm not i'm not saying i'm not going to rub uh, salt into injury i'm i try to do whatever i can do but i always think about it that going through a failure is inevitable for anyone mm. and it is inevitable for anyone especially if they are a rebel like me for example everything has to be 0 to 1 you will undergo failure there is no value judgment in failure failure anymore what is important is that when things are not uh, that bad you are giving enough reason and you are reaching out to people and helping them as much as they can so that when uh, when you are feeling low and down others are there to hold you hold up you. that's i think uh, an important part which people don't realize all the time has there been a best failure for you um see i'm actually consciously choosing the word best <laughs> best failure probably is yet to come i would say uh, best failure is yet to come but then yeah i mean um so far if i see there i mean i did my own gig for 3 years 
I won't call it as a failure, but it was a great learning experience for me when I uh, I, I was able to step off the treadmill for three years uh, away from the addiction of a paycheck and uh, and being able to say, okay, I'm going to carve out my own niche uh, because I believe in that thing, and I was I really enjoyed that journey, um, even though it was three years. I I enjoyed the whole thing there. So if the only if 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 there is only one point uh, synonym for failure, if I have to use which I will use as learning, then there were tremendous amount of learnings for me in that. Very nice. And your relationship with money. Uh, relationship with money is uh, um, uh, is something that I see. Money is something that I see that allows you to pursue things that you you care about. Uh, so uh, to to me, money is something where. Um, I, I would love to have enough money in the bank uh, that I can uh, forget about uh, earning it anymore and I can really pursue whatever I would like to pursue there. So it's not like an addiction, uh, but I was also want to be realist in saying that it doesn't matter to me is not the right thing. I've not seen that much money that I can say that I, it doesn't matter to me, but then it's not about saying that I should have one more zero behind it or two more zeros behind it. I'm not really that. I, I do believe that uh, the passion or the inner calling of my life is all about uh, seeking knowledge and exploring uh, ideas and, and, and building things uh, there. And I would like to have enough so that I don't have to worry about it and take care of my uh, my and my family's need. Uh, so that is that is the amount of things that I would love to have there, which allows me to not worry about it and just follow my passion uh, uh, fearlessly. One word to describe this conversation. Interesting. You you put me in a spot actually. <laughs> uh, I think I think whatever I thought you will ask me is like totally different. But no, glad uh, uh, I, I had to be I had to be very innovative and creative and thinking about it. Uh, I hope the listeners enjoy that as well. I'm sure. Uh, but it was enjoyable. Thanks, Ajanya. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Tatagar. Thank you. Wonderful. <laughs>